The Meet for TCAS is brought to you in part by SoneLab, a recording studio in East Hampton, Massachusetts. Offering recording, mixing, and mastering of all styles of music, we even master podcasts. Email info at sonelab.com for more information. That's info at sonelab.com. That's the record button. Have we started? We have started. So, this is the Meet for TCAST. You might always start like that. Who knows? I'm Elizabeth McDuffie, founding editor of Meet for Tea, The Valley Review, and this is... I'm Mark Allen Miller, sidekick and uh, co-conspirator in Meet for Tea. Yeah, and I'm graphic designer and web guy and um, the hats. host of the Cirques and a whole bunch of stuff. The hats, there are many. Hello, everybody. Hello. Thanks for joining us for season four. Episode 16. Whoa. And our 91st episode now? 92nd. 92nd. Yeah, if you count all the bonus episodes. I just asked you five seconds ago. Apparently it's (laughs) part of my mind just doesn't believe it could possibly be that many. I know. It's wild. But here we are. Here we are. Welcome to it. We're excited to bring you our third and final installment of our Pushcart nominee series. Yes, this one is featuring Mark Liu and Mary Buchner. And they'll talk about the pieces for which they're nominated and they'll read them and they'll talk about their writing and other things with each other too. A whole lot. There's actually, this one's got, covers a lot of ground in a short period of time, I'll tell you. Not that short. No, not that long either. Kind of average length for us, but still. We seem to be settling in around 90 minutes. Yeah, give or take. It's good. Yeah. So, anyway, we will be getting to that very, very soon, but I think we've got a couple little things we should take care of. Yeah. We've got some wonderful reviews. Yeah, we've got a couple here. I think I should tuck into them. And we should remind you, if you leave us a review anywhere, there's a lot of platforms now that have the ability yeah i think i'm starting to see a couple more i can't Cast remember where. Box, yeah stitcher i think there might be some others but leave us a five-star review with writing in apple podcasts it helps us wherever else copy and paste that over into good pods and you should really check out good pods as a listening platform yeah i've been using that as my primary podcast platform it's it's really good you can do a search specifically for indie That's podcasts true. yeah and that's, that's a cool thing. Yeah. I mean, not to say that there's a lot of non-indie podcasts that aren't really worth a lot uh, listening to, but support the indies too, like us. Please. Thanks. So we got a couple of reviews on Good Pods. One of them is from Matthew McKee. Hmm, we know him. We do. But he still took the time and said, a wonderful podcast run by fascinating, funny, and intelligent people. Books, music, culture, and craft all rolled into one. This is the place if you are looking for thoughtful discussions and in-depth outlooks on a range of topics. Come for the tea, stay for the meat. Thanks, Matthew. That's, That's going to have to go on a future t-shirt. Come for the tea, stay I'm gonna for the meat. I'm going to have to ask him if we can just use that because it's just too good. Come for the tea, stay for the meat. That's our next marketing slogan. We also have a very quick one that was uh, written by uh, Tam Fricky. <laughs> we know her too. Then she took the time to write something very simple and very In lovely. response to which episode? This is in response to the... Um, well, the second installment of the... Robert Pete and Carla Cook. Yeah, the second installment of our 
Pushcart from just a few weeks ago. She wrote, another great round of interviews. Thanks for lightening up my work day. Hmm. You can use Meet for TCAST like that. I find podcasts ease the tedium of keeping the house acceptable looking. Yeah. Housework's hella boring. <laughs> yeah, it can be pretty dull. That's true. It's not exciting, but if I've got some information going into my ears, I can trick myself into thinking I'm being entertained. And next thing you know, the house is cleaner. Yeah. So I've just a tiny bit of housekeeping. The best ways to support us are all easily found on our website at meetfortea.com, M-E-A-T-F-O-R-T-E-A.com. You'll there find ways to purchase individual issues, whether in PDF or physical print form, to subscribe to Meet for Tea. Being a subscriber to the publication is a really excellent way to support us. Mm-hmm. You'll see our spring store with all the cool offerings there. Mark Lou recently bought a t-shirt. Thank you, Mark. Yay. Yay. We've got all kinds of cool things and we're getting ready to run a sale in time for Valentine's Day. So keep your eyes peeled for that and for our code. Yeah, we'll announce that at least on the Meat for Tea Facebook page and possible other social media outlets. We'll announce it on a future episode of the podcast too. So those are the best ways to support us. And there's also, of course, and this is all on the website. There's our Patreon. Mm-hmm. We, Which are, are, we're adding things to it. We're gonna take, there's now. some cool music time. in there now. Yeah, it takes time and it takes takes energy to do all this. So I appreciate the patience of the patrons that we do have for waiting for me to do the technical stuff to make things available for them. But uh, yeah, our, our podcast editor, <clears throat> Mark, won't put out anything with substandard sound yeah I try so you all have to kind of wait until it's perfect because that's 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 what you're gonna get or as perfect as it can be i think is a, is a better way of looking at it pretty close too oh i appreciate that thank you i listen to them i listen to other podcasts and it's pretty pretty even yeah awesome that's good to know anyway i try hard enough out of us yeah Right, tuck into our chat with Mark Liu and Mary Buchinger. Enjoy. So, without further ado, I'd like to invite our listeners to part three of our chats with Pushcart nominees, our final chat with this year's Pushcart nominees, the illustrious and brilliant writers, Mary Buchinger. And Mark Liu. Welcome, guys. Thank you. What a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, pleasure to have you both here, too. And Mary, was your piece in the Mugwort issue, is that the first time I've published you in Meat for Tea? I thought I remembered publishing you previously, too, but... It is the first time. Ah. It's the first time, and I was really honored. And there were, I think, four poems in that issue. So it was really very satisfying to have those acceptances. That was That's such a beautiful issue. They're all beautiful issues. Ah, thanks so much. Yeah, the goal is always to make each one more beautiful than the one that came before. I mean, after a point mm-hmm. that that might be impossible because <laughs> it, it is a pretty good issue. So you... 
you read my salutation then when you received your contributors' copies. Yes. Yes. I might have had a a bit of a head full of steam when I wrote that. (laughs) Yeah, you might have. Might have. I I don't know what could have provoked such a state of mind. (laughs) Does that happen sometimes, Elizabeth? Well, it's, it's, I wrote it actually two weeks before the Supreme Court announced their appalling decision setting back mm-hmm. the clock for women's reproductive freedoms 50 years. But mm-hmm. when I wrote it, the writing was into, on the wall and the, you know, what are we to do questions were kind of directed at those powers that be mm-hmm. like, what, what do you want us to do? And actually literally when I wrote it, formula was growing scarce. It's like, so you're going to force us to have a baby, but we're not to have a way to feed it. Okay. So how's this pro-life business actually working out or making any logical yeah. sense? Right. It, it doesn't make any sense. The, the fact of the matter remains that it is a tool that one side uses against the other side because we have now become a nation of sides instead of humanity. So, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's a lot of people, and I won't be the first, have compared it to sports teams. Which team are you on? And I I, I think that's more and more how it feels. I mean, I have to kind of imagine because I don't, I don't care about sports. I don't watch sports. I don't follow sports. I don't judge people that do. They just don't do it for me. When my children were young, the school started instituting a uniform policy. And the only way you could be exempted was to uh, write a letter as the parent. And to which I did. And I said, Their claim was that it was for the safety of the children. You can identify them by the clothes that they're wearing based on the school colors. And I opposed that notion vehemently. Uh, Yeah, I said something to the effect of uniformity only lends itself to conformity. And conformity is the death of education. So... And how did that go? Did the, did the school make an exception and let your children wear what they wanted to wear? Yes, by the way. Kudos. Oh, they did. Oh, huh. they absolutely did. And I was ready to take it to whatever level I needed to take it to to fight the fight. So, yeah. Hmm. Did other parents do the same kind of thing? What happened with the rest of the school? <laughs> Most of the kids were wearing uniforms. Most so then, of, of course, my kids got mocked for not wearing uniforms, but that's the price of, you know, mm-hmm. free thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to send a note to school when my kids were in high school, exempting them from attending school pep rallies. Hmm. I used <laughs> to write a note for each child when the time came that I didn't see the educational purpose of such enforced fanfare and that my children Hmm. would not be in school until actual education resumed. 
Yeah, kudos to you because that's <laughs> what it's about. Thank you. No, I just didn't see that the point at all. And especially, I just remember as a high school girl being horrified by what got stirred up at pep rallies. And you know, and now, you know, that we've been through the four years of the orange menace, uh-huh. um, the, the, the word rally is even more triggering for me than <laughs> ever before. Yeah, I can see why. So you all had a little bit of time to get to know each other a bit before our chat tonight. Yeah, we did. We met on Zoom. Fantastic. <laughs> and and I keep and, and and even before our recording now, I apologize to her because I hogged the time. I mean, we spoke for half an hour. I should say I spoke for 22 minutes and gave her about eight <laughs> minutes. <laughs> to... <laughs> no, yeah. it was absolutely fine. We had a really good conversation. And I was just reading Mark's, rereading Mark's story that was in Mugworth. It's delightful, isn't it? It is. It is. Thank you. It just like holds me the whole time trying to figure out what's going on. And I just, I was trying to figure out, so... Do hawks really eat dragonflies? I have no idea. It was an image that came to my head. And since I am as far from being a poet as is humanly possible and still right, <laughs> said, oh, okay, let me do a hawk and a... Or a falcon. It's actually a falcon. A falcon, sorry. right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Falcon uh, and a dragonfly. I don't think falcons waste their time on little dragonflies, but it is all, you know... It's imagery. It's not uh, factual, I suppose. I was I was impressed by the facts, but okay, <laughs> I'll revise that. <laughs> Thank you. I like the idea, <laughs> falcon hunting down the dragonfly. As a poet, you would, wouldn't you? I love those images. Yeah, um, and I would look it up because <laughs> I really also I like. I like things to be as true as possible. So it is something that I, because um, I, I do find I could get carried away, but I, I do, I, I spend a lot of time in Wikipedia scouring the pages. Well, your, your poetry in a few instances, the few I've been exposed to at least, seems to be very science-based in a way that I love. Yeah, well, I'm curious about, I guess, I'm curious about ideas. And yeah, science is interesting to me. I I think it should be interesting to everybody. I mean, and also, it's such a broad term. I mean, you can can make a science of anything, right? Right, right. Like, I, I bake my sourdough bread every single week and keeping my starter alive in the process of achieving the crumb I want. That's all a science. That's totally science. Right? Baking is science. Yeah. It is. It is. I love that you make sourdough bread. Yeah. Do you know where your starter came from? I I do. I actually wrote some poems about it years ago. They're in some earlier issues. I can put them in the show notes. But seven years ago, I guess, my... Tibetan Buddhist monk cousin Wangden 
Wangden Kelsang, um, formerly David Laurent, sent me some of his sourdough starter, which he got from his mom, my aunt Priscilla, mm-hmm. which she got from her neighbor, Gisela Moffat, whose child was actually governor of Rhode Island for a while. And Gisela Moffat escaped, um, was it the scourge against the Lebanese? She didn't start the starter until she came here. And the starter is, I've lost count, but I know it's now over 50 years old. It's uh, 51 or 52 That is just so cool. I love, Elizabeth, that you know where it came from and that it has that history. I I like that. It's like a genealogy. Thank you. Yeah, it's got a lineage. It's a a storied starter. Yeah, and you've kept it going. Well, I mean, I I just keep it in the fridge and feed it once a week when I make my leaven to bake my bread. (laughs) And then what's left from that goes back in the fridge. And so it goes and baking once a week works perfectly with what we consume for our house. Really beautiful. Nice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, apparently the age of a starter isn't like really that big a deal. I I actually went to um, the Berkshire Bakery where Chad Robertson studied under um, Richard Borden, who's in there, I actually brought my copy of Tartine Bread for him to sign. And hmm. at the time, my starter was probably 47. I told him I had a 47-year-old starter. And he looked at me, and you know, he's very French, and he's like, ah, a culture is a culture. So, <laughs> <laughs> And if you think about it, like if, if you move, if the water is different, if the flower is different, like the culture is always renewing itself. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah, uh, speaking of science. But there must be something of the original there, right? Well, it certainly still has its story. Yeah. But it was there. And yeah, you you would think there would be some of the original cultures. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm allergic. I'm allergic to all furry and feathered animals. So that... That's the closest thing I have to a house pet that I have to feed and be responsible for. (laughs) That's it. It's Hmm. easy. You can't probably put most house pets in the fridge and feed them (laughs) once a week. I do it it regularly. That's how I manage to uh, support five cats and two dogs. So, yeah. Do you actually have seven fur-bearing critters in your house? Yes, I do. I can never come visit you. No, and I have three. I have two cats and a dog. Wow. The dogs the dogs are hypoallergenic. So that's oh. not an issue. However, getting rid of the we would have to get rid of the cats for a while. The cats are my kryptonite. I imagine. <laughs> that's okay. I'll just I'll just stick them in the fridge. Just stick them in the for, fridge. They'll be fine. Yeah, while you're while you're while you're visiting and then we'll take them out. There you go. Oh, I'm out and, you know, pretzels. I don't know. Dander <laughs> eliminated completely. That's it. So, Mary, I find out that you are friends with my brother-in-law. Yes, David. David. He's um really 
an amazing asset on the New England Poetry Club board. He does so much. He's a co. He's a um, programming co-chair with Wendy Drexler and David Miller. Is just he's so thoughtful. He thinks through all these different steps with each kind of each event. He he plans uh, like he's a he's really. I'm just in awe. I was talking with him last night, and he um, is just really good at thinking through kind of all the different steps of an event and how to make it accessible, how to um, make sure that it's equitable. And uh, it's just so thoughtful, really grateful for him. Yeah, no, no, he's, I think I was the second person to publish his poetry way, way back (laughs) in the early days of Meat for Tea. Hmm. And I'm happy that we're... if he's family, why wasn't why weren't you the first? Is the question. There you go. Plagues him every day. But, well, the, the reason why I wasn't the first is I wasn't the first to whom he submitted. Ah, got you. Yeah. So if he's family, why wasn't I the first to whom he that, submitted? Uh, <laughs> Can flip, yeah, you have your counter argument. That's it. Flip that one on its head. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and definitely. Yeah, we we actually had a lovely podcast chat with him. You can go back into our into our archives and find it. We had a nice long nice long chat with David after his book Bend in the Stair had come out. That's yeah, a beautiful book. He's a very good writer. Mhm. Some real family stories in there. Right? Mhm. Poignant ones. Mhm. Family and place. A house. Yeah. Nice. Good work. Yes. I admire his work quite a bit. So what did you guys learn doing your half hour Zoom chat? We learned that we have animals. Yes. <laughs> pets. We we learned that uh, given half a moment, Mark will take center stage and uh, speak um, incessantly about pretty much nothing. <laughs> because every, everything we touched upon for me had a, had a backstory or a side story or a, an anecdote. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Face it, Mark, you're a storyteller. Yeah, I get on a roll. And it, yeah, now if I were only a writer... <laughs> It would be better. I think you might be. Um, yeah, he's written two screenplays. Yes. He's written a novel. Yes. And stories. And a bunch of little and a bunch of short stories. the The short story idea was came to me um, quite by accident. I was as I'm writing my novel. I thought to. Uh, joined the South Florida Writers Association, which I found to be okay, but I don't know. I, I felt that it was uh, less substantive than I had believed. Anyway, the newsletter that they publish has an editor, and the editor said, I need stories from people. And I had one short story that I had written where Dracula meets Bram Stoker. <laughs> and after Bram has perished, 
Dracula tells the tale of how he lied to the guy about immortality and whatnot anyway. So I submitted the story, and when I read the newsletter, they published it, and when I read the newsletter, it turned out that uh, it was the November issue, and it turned out that Bram Stoker was born in November. Wow. So I called up the editor, and I said, well, what if I were to do this for six months? Find an author in December, one in January, one in February, et cetera. And he said, great idea. So for January, I'm sorry, for December, I did um, Gustave Flaubert, where, where he meets Emma Bovary mm-hmm. in the real world. And then I did one for Edgar Allan Poe. And each one copied the style of, well, okay, in, in as much as I could, mm-hmm. the style of the original. And uh, it helped me a lot. It helped me realize that a writing style isn't a style, it's a voice, and you can pick your voice. And that was kind of interesting and helped me in my uh, the further development of the novel. So, yeah. Which that was which was the Edgar Allan Poe? Which 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 character did he meet in real life? Oh uh, no, an Edgar Allan. No, I, I I took Edgar Allan Poe, and uh, he's one of the exceptions to the rule. The uh, mm. the other one was um, I did a James Michener short story. Oh, nice. James <laughs> Michener in the short story sounds um, like an oxymoron. But yeah, he only wrote tomes. Right. Yeah. By the way, so um, it was uh, interesting trying to get a sweeping saga into, you know, 500 words or less, flash fiction kind of thing. But considering that very few other people were uh, contributing at the time, it was probably the best writing of that month. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you have zero competition, yes, it's easy to win. Well, you didn't have zero competition when I was selecting my pushcart nominees. No, I was like stunned. I was literally, I, I like jumped up out of my seat and I said, I got awarded pushcart nominee. This is like amazing. And the, the first question my wife asked is, What's pushcart nominee? And I said, I don't know, but I'm nominated. <laughs> <laughs> and then I learned, obviously. <laughs> You know, down in South Florida, I, one of the things that I really rue about living down here is that it seems that on the East Coast, from Maine to Connecticut, is everybody who's anybody in writing. <laughs> and Miami is about as far away from Maine and Connecticut as one can get without having to cross the country in its entirety. So, uh, so you got a corner on the market there. I, yeah, I have a corner on the market. Mm-hmm. That's that's a nice way of phrasing it. <laughs> the Miami market. The Miami market. Uh, and actually, I, I don't think everybody who's anybody in writing only exists from Maine to Connecticut because I, I happen to be lucky to be receiving submissions from a cache of poets who are on the left coast. And mm-hmm. Seattle and Portland, Oregon, California. But everybody, every class that I have attended online, every, and I mean everyone, maybe I'm just 
that happen on the right coast, the other one being the left, <laughs> is all taking place in Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, uh, Massachusetts, and uh, Connecticut. Oh, and New York. I'm New sorry. York. New York. Well, New York has a wealth of everything, so. Well, it's also in your time zone, so it, it's more convenient. But maybe that's, yeah, maybe, I don't know. There are, there's, there's a lot happening in the Midwest, too. There is. There is. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing comes to mind immediately, but I know it's <laughs> I actually have a few poets from the, from the Midwest Mm-hmm. that I've published, um, Minnesota, uh, one very awesome one, Reed Messerschmitt. Mm. Oh, a Frenchman. Got it. Messerschmitt? No, it's a joke. <laughs> yeah, that totally. It was a bad joke, but it was a joke or an attempted one. Who had a very hilarious, witty story, Rasputin in the Dead Mall. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's in North Dakota, so I, I think there's representation all over the place. Thank you. Know, lift up. I bow to your better knowledge. I'm. I sit here and with the beach to my right and the palm tree swaying overhead. I'm jealous. I, well, okay. On the other hand, I feel like I'm in the Kalahari Desert, in a in in a in a world bereft of. Uh, Authors, I keep looking. I will find some eventually, but we will see. I mean, there was always an Ernest Hemingway in his, you know, key yeah, West. Yeah, no, I'm thinking of Ernest Hemingway and his cats. That was on the on the keys, right? Yes, yes, yes. Key West. Key Key West. And you go. I, I mean, I visited his house, hoping for some uh, phantasmagoric insertion of the quality of his writing, but. Yeah, no, that didn't happen either. But it was still a nice trip. <laughs> I like the quality of your writing just fine. Thank you. And I, I like how maybe you're not tormented to the point of doing yourself in the way Papa Hemingway no, did. nature's taken care of that for me. So I've had heart attack and triple bypass surgery. I've had a stroke. I've got a pacemaker with, yeah, no, we don't want to talk about that. Oh, my gosh. No, 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 no. It's a life. It's it's fine. I've got three wonderful children and seven pets currently. And, you know, things are good. I'm happy. <laughs> Except that I can't find any damn writers in frickin' South Florida. There's but got to <clears throat> be a writer's community there. Wait a minute. Now, now, Mark's dad, Melton, and Mary, you probably saw some poems about some sad poems from David about his dad dying. But Mark's dad Mm -hmm. lived in Saratoga and um, we went down there with Mark's brothers after Melton died to help go through his house and decide what to keep and what not to keep and all, all the stuff you do. And there is uh, actually I do. That's right. I ha- I get a lot of submissions from that area. I, I think you meant Sarasota. Sarasota, Sarasota, right? Is... I did. I misspoke. Correct. Thank you so much for correcting me. No, 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 no. I 
No, seriously, because no, 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 correct away because through the magic of editing and post, all that stuff goes away. Oh, and and it will be just like I said, Sarasota, and the same way anybody needs to cough or sneeze or get up and (laughs) use the bathroom or anything else. It's all Mm -hmm. fine. These are edited and post copiously. I, I imagine so because you had the pictures of the people you were interviewing and. You haven't asked for a picture yet. I mean, on the homepage of your... Uh... Oh, I will. I will. No, I, I'm sure. I'm just... I definitely will. That's how, that's how I promote this. But anyway, when I was in Sarasota, there's um, a bookstore. It's, it's called um, Bookstore One. And there's authors' readings there. And there's, an, there's a very active writers' community hmm. around there. Okay. Now, how far is Sarasota from you? Four hours by car. Yikes. And four hours by plane because you have to go to Tampa and then drive down anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's a hike. That's fine. How about Palm Beach? Because Palm Beach has a real kind of serious writer's festival. Yes, they the do. Sounds and- great. I've never been, but I've lusted after it. Right. There's also the the Florida Writers Association, not the South Florida Writers Association, the Florida Writers Association, which meets once a year in um, in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to start editorializing. Let's not do that and let me um, edit this piece. Well, you're allowed to. Yeah. I, uh, I found the experience. Um, how can I put this? Of course, at the time, the novel that I was had been my very first one, and it, it's terrible. It's hideous. So I'm one of the guilty parties. But I found some self-published works that, you know, let's support the author. So I bought some, and I don't think I've ever gotten through one cover to cover yet. Oh, no. So that kind of stuff happens. Look, it, all it takes to be a writer in this day and age is a laptop and a fundamental knowledge of spelling. No, that's not what it takes to be a writer. That's, that's what it takes to write. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just sit down and write. And so mm-hmm. I've done some editing from, for some people's work and I go, uh, you know, what is this? I've, I read a sentence that was uh, Mary like nice things. Oh boy. And I said, and period. And that was it. And I said, this is the worst sentence ever written. I mean, Mary liked nice things as opposed to having crows crap on her head. And Mary liked nice things as opposed to what? No further explanation. Mary liked nice Poor things. Mary. <laughs> We're not talking Poor about Mary. present it's company. It's true. I do love nice things. So do I, I Mary. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm looking at nice some. <laughs> I'm surrounded yeah. by them. <laughs> And I'm just like thinking that really is not that bad of a sentence. But so what are you looking for, Mark, in a, in a writing community? What is it that that would be, you know, satisfying or what, what do you find missing? I actually found a group that I that is um, an offshoot of the Delray Beach Library. Hmm. And I joined their Zoom and they had some decent work. No, there was actually good work. Let me not be so hoity-toity. There were a couple of stories that 
were very good. And they actually said, you're a serious writer, but um, you're a little uh, ponderous in your writing style. And I said, okay, I can live with ponderous. And now, of course, I went back to my story and I'm re-editing it for the 23rd time. Mm. Um, So you're looking, are you looking for feedback? Are you looking for engagement in a... Like, yeah, you know, I'm wondering if maybe a writing group, like if, like, uh, I really enjoy being in writing groups where we meet, you know, every other week or so and um, read our work to each other and, and talk about it. Yeah, um, precisely. Yeah, so. But but my, my issue really is that some of the things that in the first group that I mentioned I, I can't give constructive criticism because it all comes out with a very negative slant and very editorialized. Not that I'm a, an authority on anything. I, mm-hmm. But yeah, sometimes it's just difficult. Yeah, I think maybe if you just find a group that, you know, it's, I think most writers do want to hear what others think about their work, right? And then have get some feedback and part of it is creating a kind of community where, where it feels safe. Like, you know, no one is feeling defensive or, I mean, it's takes a bit to accomplish that, I guess it takes some time, but uh, I think especially now with zoom, it's even more possible to connect with people in that way and look at work together in a serious, have serious conversations about it. As I said, this new group that I just found, mm-hmm. um, despite their the, despite their comment of ponderous, is the the first group that I, and I've been doing. I've been searching mm-hmm. for five six years, and I have joined a number of groups. And so I wow. think that it would just be easier to move to the northeastern part of the United States, where um, writers are just you know, buzzing about the streets. It's it's like the impressionistic artists in France in the 1890s, just, they're all there. Yeah, it's not. I wish it was really <laughs> like that here. <laughs> Mary and I are here to disabuse you of that gorgeous no. notion. We don't Damn live it. in a Seurat painting. Okay. <laughs> it would be nice. It would be nice, but we really don't. <laughs> But, but, you know, another, and I am going to get you guys to read your work soon, but as, as you're probably noticing, I do, I, I like these just to feel like we're all just like, maybe we've all just had dinner together and we're having our dessert and coffee and we're just chatting. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, good. I, I, I have a, a theory that people have more fun when they're listening to other people having fun rather than being interviewed or bitching about a dearth of good writers well, in a particular part of the United States. Here's a, here's another thought. I mean, it, it is the era of Zoom. Couldn't you just join a writers group that's happening on the East Coast? Anywhere. I, yeah. I mean, on the Northeast. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, if you if you want feedback and you want critical commentary, I would steer you away from amorous poets and writers and 
nothing bad against Amherst poets and writers, but they, they only allow praise. Really? Uh, yeah, you're not allowed to say anything. Uh, you, you can say um, neutral to ecstatic. Wait, is it in the bylaws? Like you can't, how do you, I, that's an odd. It's not a writer's workshop to me, but um, no. I'm, see, now they're going to hear this and boycott my podcast. I'm going to be in all sorts of hot water. But anyway, that's, that's their, that's their um, creating a safe space. There is you, you, you say the things you liked about the piece. I mean, I employed something similar when I was a college professor with my English 101 students Mm-hmm. In in peer review, I would ask them just to um, talk about the, specifically the things they liked about each other's drafts for the first draft, mm-hmm. just to get people writing and comfortable sharing their work. Yeah. But then I yeah. would move them past that into like, okay, well, now that we're into a deeper draft, um, where did the writer lose you? Where did you get confused? Where do you need inf- more information? So I would even push. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's... I'm doing something a little different this semester with my students. I'm having them make observations nice, rather than evaluations. So trying not to um, discuss their really their opinions or to evaluate what they see, but just to say, this is what I'm noticing. Right. It's, it's not easy to do. I mean, I find it really hard myself. Well, it, to takes, do that. it takes a lot of guidance to get the students to doing that too. Yeah, but I like it. I like that pedagogical just to technique. Start off, and, and each time you say something, you say, "I observe this. I notice this." So you know, just noticing about you know where there's more dialogue, just and very obvious things, but just to point it out to the writer in a way that it, it's interesting. It's a way of making the work kind of strange to the writer, so that they can see it differently. I like that. Where do you I teach? I can see where that works. I teach at the Mass College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting because I get to teach creative writing to people who are not, you know, not English majors because we don't have any English majors there. So it's just pure fun. <laughs> no, that's that's wild. Are you familiar at all with Anne Harrington? Kind of no. seminal... She was my professor when I was doing most of the PhD, which I didn't finish at UMass um, in composition rhetoric. That was I specialized huh. in teaching that. But anyway, she um, did a very seminal paper where she followed, I believe it was chemistry students through through their classes, and she just it was a writing across the curriculum project and she just followed the instances of writing and the types of writing that they did in their work, in their majors. Uh-huh. It's, it's, yeah. It's, you know, that sounds cool. really familiar. I, yeah, I have heard of that work. It's seminal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was lucky enough to have some classes with her. She's, she's a cool lady. I hope she's still with us. I don't, I don't know. She's, getting on in years, but I, I like to mm. picture my professors going on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even if, and, and even if they have shuffled off the mortal coil, they're still going on and on because you're thinking of them and you're referring to them. So absolutely. Immortality achieved. Mm-hmm. 
No, that must be so cool, Mary. And that, that explains, like, do, do you find that teaching at such a scientific institution also kind of sparks your interest in, in more scientific topics for your writing? Yeah, well, I, I have always been interested in science and I, um, my degree is actually in linguistics. Mm. And what I was studying for my dissertation um, were people talking about scientific ideas. They were talking about sink and float, buoyancy, and why things, why things float. And um, so I was looking at the ways that they were talking about these concepts and using language as a tool for understanding, but and not just you know, language in conversation, you know, um, the discourse is what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. So I'm just really interested in, in how words help us understand how we construct meanings, right? And, and how we do that in dialogue and how, how language and thought work together. I love and, that. You know, specifically in science. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, it's really, I think it's fascinating. <laughs> Me too. No, actually before I settled on comp ret, I was really feeling drawn towards cognitive linguistics because that that had huge appeal for me too yeah I was doing work in cognitive linguistics until I was working in a lab I thought I smelled another cognitive linguist out there (laughs) (laughs) and it was you know it was really really interesting I loved it um you know devising these different experiments and whatnot but these poor freshmen would come in and sit down the computer they'd be just like all happy and then they had to do this binary test where they just had to press a button you know if they did saw this or that was just like you know binary simple stuff and they would walk out an hour later with a huge headache it was just it was so it it just you know, was so narrow a view of what it means to be human. So I ended up moving into more narrative and discoursey stuff. But, but yeah, it's 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 fascinating. It's attractive in many ways. Yeah. No, I I totally get the attraction. Mm-hmm. While we're talking about your teaching and your fascination with science, I'm trying to find a graceful segue, but. Oh, sorry. Maybe if I don't even find a graceful segue, you can read us your poem that I decided to nominate for the pushcart, Mary, if you would. Sure, be happy to. I'd love it. Okay, so the poem is called Once a Molecule Said. Once a molecule said, not stone, not fish, not seaweed. What was it that it said yes to? Who was asking? I just want to know. I feel my molecules as predetermined and choiceless. Yet there is wander and drift. There is the body of me that is fully formed and fixed the body of me that moves, that changes, and is dying. 
I watch the light moved by the warmth of the March sun. A ripple washes over my page, says, this is life moving, moving light. Hourly, the day lifts from night. From the shadow of the known, its warmed current rushing, rushing. What is so far from here is still here, is shaping here. The maker of here, the way, way back, the begetter, that wayward Adam. One day, it was not stone, not fish, not seaweed. No, it was more than a day. It was more than one thing until it was something, and then something new again. My poetry slam snaps. Mm, My fingers aren't you. snapping very mm-hmm. loud for some reason. They're muffled. I don't know why. Oh, I would, since I'm holding the mic to my face, I can't clap, but here it is anyway. <laughs> Thank you. That was really very good. And don't Thank you love you. it? I love it so much. It's great. I was oh. struck by it when it first came in. I was like, yes. Mm. I love the images. And mm, I love the dialogue, you know, you tell me about your studies. I'm like, here, here we go. We have, who was asking? I just want to know. We have the, the mm. meaning being formed out of dialogue, out of question and answer. Mm-hmm. And the, the blending of the science to the art really struck me. The imagery with the notion of matter and existence. I thought it was really very good. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, a really fundamental question. It's just like the question kids ask, right? Children ask, where do, where do I come from? I, I heard from my parents that when I put that question to them the first time, and I was very small, it's like four maybe, that mm-hmm. I asked what store they bought me at. So, because <laughs> I, I figured just go go pick out your your baby girl from the baby girl shelf. <laughs> go get one of those. That's really sweet. Very commercial. Oh, I don't know. You're right. It's, it's better than the answer I got, which was Goodwill. <laughs> Well, at least it wasn't Salvation Army who donated so much money to anti-LGBTQA. Exactly. Yeah. Boycott them. them. Boycott them. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, by all means. And if they want to boycott my podcast, be my guest, Salvation Army. We don't want them here anyway. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes, we do. No, we don't. We don't. Oh, okay. No, we don't. Actually, I I didn't let you guys know at the beginning, but you you don't seem prone to it, but if you do ever feel the urge in a conversation to let an F-bomb or something like that fly, we don't censor any of that. 
Um, the only the only thing that consistently does get yes. bleeped out is the name of that um, orange forty fifth president. That's that's the only language that is strictly not allowed. I did catch that in your other. Oh, good. Yes, yes. as did I. Yeah, we we just don't need his name like polluting the people's ears. No, we don't. I I wonder if something's going to happen to the language around um. So, card games. That's what I was getting ready to say. So <laughs> if you have the hot hand in the card game, you don't trump the others. You orange the others. There we go. Or, or, no. or you best. No, I didn't want him in my card games. It's just, 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 I mean, I, I, just maybe the, the, the best card or just something else for that. Yeah. And, and also the same thing with like this, Oops, that and my husband will bleep that out. It could be like this <laughs> surpasses that, yes, or this prevails over that. Like we, we just have to be more creative. We can we can like maybe I'm not. A f- I don't think I'm going to give them that much power though. Honestly, oh, that's I like true. the language that we have. I like the words that we have. I don't want to lose. You don't want to lose word. a good word because it is a useful word. It's a useful word. I understand that. What we really need to do is just not have that meaning. <laughs> I don't want to just to eradicate know, that. Him. They want the word to be just clear of him. I, I like that because, yeah, you know, as I was proposing that notion, it, it did come to my mind. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I'm not a fan of excising words from the language at all. Right. I mean, my husband just... Book burner. Oh, not at all. Quite the, no, 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 no. Again. Quite the contrary. Although I, it starts with one word and then who knows where it where ends. It, so. I know. Well, it's, yeah. Don't get me started on the logical yeah. fallacies and how slippery slope is one of them. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I actually heard that 2022 was a banner year for book censoring. Um, but I guess particularly in Texas with all the um, all the hullabaloo over what people wrongly described as critical race theory, people who had never um, even bothered to learn actually what critical race theory is. Is, yes. It's, it's, it's history as it happened and not as how we want to paint it. As having happened. Yes. Yes. Don't make our white children feel uncomfortable about things their ancestors did. Well, why not? I know. Exactly. <laughs> why not? We all need to be more uncomfortable. With. <laughs> yes. We, in, in Germany, in Germany, they, they impress upon every single person the horror of the Nazi regime. And there isn't a German person alive that obviously discounting babies um, that doesn't know about it. So they own it, they live with it, and it's just, it's history. It is what happened. It is what happened. Teach what happened as it happened. Yes. And take away Columbus Day, have Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah. And, And explain why we have that. And we'll be back in just a moment. We have a very generous 
partner to Meet for Tea. We really appreciate them very much because mm-hmm. it's through ad support that we stay in print. So without further ado, let me tell you about Sucre Bay. Sucre Bay is perfume made by weirdos like you. And they're a cruelty-free, women-owned indie perfume and body products company who love making people smell good. Each scent is crafted by hand in their Washington State lab located in the woods. And honestly, I don't know where else you can find fragrances with names like Sea Hag, Don't Panic, Siren Song, Goth as Fuck. Those are just a few of their bestsellers. So great. They have all sorts of other things to bath care products. And also they they partner with a lot of interesting people, including our friend Sarah McCartney of 4160 Tuesdays. Sucre Bay is one of the few places in the States you can get yourself some 4160 Tuesdays fragrances. Yes. So head on over to sucrebay.com. Check out their wares. And we thank them Check for... Check the show notes for the proper spelling. Mm-hmm. And thank you very, very or much. Or should I do it on Super mic Bay. now? Oh, yeah. You know what? How's it spelled? Yeah. So if you just go to S-U-C-R-E-A-B-E-I-L-L-E.com, that'll get you there. Yeah. We really appreciate their support. Thank you so much, Sucre Bay. Thank you so much, Sucre Bay. We love you. And welcome back. Elizabeth. Yes. Quick question. Of course. I had said I can't find the theme of the next issue. Mm. And you said, join our Facebook page. I've gone, I have scoured. I have. Have you just gone <clears throat> to our website? Of, of course. Have I you have. clicked on the submit? Oh, if I click. Doesn't that just take me to Duo? I don't know if you use Submittable or Duo. I, I, I actually use Duo Summa. I used Submittable for years, but they, they've broken their platform for the purposes of a small literary journal. It seems they've um, really shifted their focus more to being a submission manager for um, fund-gathering nonprofit organizations. Okay. But but the theme is there. I, I can tell you right now, the theme is dark. So have fun with that. <laughs> oh, I can make it dark. Yeah. Have fun with okay. that. Have a good time. But yeah, if you just click on our submit, the, the theme. And also, I did post the um, call for submission and themes, and I can post it again. But but that's the I'll look for it. Yeah. but And I have one other question. Yeah. So... What I have done is I have taken the two stories that you published for me. I know this is all going to get excised, but... Um, or not. It depends on how interesting or, we think it or is. so, but I put, I found something in Photoshop and I put some words on it. So Nowhere to Hide has a picture of a book. And then I had it transferred onto a t-shirt. My problem is that it took them three months to get it back to me. So I'm curious if the people that make your T-shirts would customize an iron-on, put it on there, and send. I'll I'll, I'll buy the T-shirt. I'll oh, the people at the Spring them. Store, the 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 Spring Store doesn't. I don't know if they do iron-ons. I don't think they do. I'll, anyway, I'll email you their website. Okay. So you can ask them about that because that's a that's a 
cool idea. Yeah, I saw Mark's T-shirt. It's really cool. I want to see it. I love that. I'll send you a picture. I'll mm-hmm. I'll take a pic and I'll email it. And um, I also have one for and blow out the candles. So hmm. yeah, um, it has meat for tea on the front, and then yeah, it has the name of the story on the back. Oh, how cool! With the story, yeah, it's yeah. the meat for tea cast. So people ask me, "What's meat for tea?" And I go, "Aha." Uh-huh the best literary magazine in America. And look, <laughs> they honored me by doing one of my stories. So, you know, we've published one hand washes the other kind of thing. Two of your stories. Well, okay, but I'm, I'm only wearing one. I can't, yeah. if, if I had the other one done, then I would wear my gray t-shirt one day with that one and my black t-shirt with like oh, the one I'm wearing. Oh, because you're in now. Florida. See, here am I thinking like a New Englander. I'm like, like you'd have one on the back of a hoodie layered over the other for, you know, the kind of layers that Mary and I are probably wearing this time of year. For the sweater underneath. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are some advantages to living down here. I will say that. Yeah, I can think of it. Balmy 62 and it's night, you know. Yeah, it's it's a balmy 28, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, we just need. Do you have snow, Elizabeth? Uh, we had some the other day, but it's gone now. Yeah, ours is gone too. You're, you're in the Boston area, right, Mary? Yeah, yeah, yeah I am. <laughs> That's what I guessed. Mm-hmm. Proximal to to David, mm. Mario. Yes. Why don't you, Mark, Mark Mario? Mark, sorry. Uh, see, now I'm looking uh, but, at. But, I'm looking by at all means, love. It's it's fine. <laughs> Why don't you read us Nowhere to Hide? There's my graceful segue like that. (laughs) Okay, Nowhere to Hide. The book, a handsome hardcover tome of 419 pages, fell squarely on Chad's head. That was a salient fact. Any questions beyond that, why him, why just then, would have died a farcical death of shortcoming, the true precipitant outside the umwelt of human experience. The first question, are you okay? Was uttered by Kennedy Dumont, still dressed in her nurse's uniform, on her way home after a grueling night shift of effusive note-taking. She was tired beyond exhausted, but witnessing the event, all thoughts of sleep scurried away into the nether like a dragonfly winging its escape from a falcon her attention fully absorbed by the sound of the thud the book made striking Chad's head. He shouted an off fuck and staggered, instinctively bringing his hands up to his scalp in a demonstrative act of too little, too late. Quickening her pace to a sprint, she closed the distance between them until she could hear him loudly sucking air between his teeth, could see him squinching his eyes in response to the impact. Now, with an earshot, she asked, are you okay? The concern in her voice apparent. On the verge of ludicrous, you question, don't you think? Chad chided, speaking with a decidedly British accent. Of course I'm not okay. Here, let me have a look. I'm a nurse. Chad's need for assuagement grappled with his reluctance for control of his muscles until the struggle decided with a clear victor, his hands inched away very slowly, bringing them to eye level there to take a peek at his palms and inspect for traces of blood, 
before bowing his head and exposing the point of impact to Kennedy. Even that small muscular realignment exacerbated the sharp pains in his temple, and he hissed its presence in a protracted, whistling exhale. Obscenely urgent, he shut his eyes tight, prompted by thoughtless instinct. Tears eat their way from the corner of his eyes and onto the pavement. A moment later, compounding his suffering, Kennedy's act of ruffling his hair to more closely inspect his scalp caused Chad's heart to race as the pain springboarded hair root to hair root, and it was all he could do to not shout out another expletive in deference to her close proximity. Aha, she exclaimed, found it. He was about to ask, found what? but was immediately dumbstruck by the sensation of the pain disappearing. Carried upon the wind of her pursed lips, whooshing as she blew on the exact spot where his head had been impacted. Disbelieving, he furrowed his brow and, lifting his head, asked, Who are you? Incredulity framed the question with its inflection. Kennedy, she replied. Kennedy Dumont. And you? Chad, he answered. Chad Dingle. A pleasure to meet you, she said, her eyes smiling. That may be, he answered in a haughty huff, but you didn't answer my question. Not exactly. Who are you? I just told you, Kent. No, nah, that's your name. What did you, how did you do that? I told you that too. I'm a nurse. Chad took hold of her arms just below her shoulders and stared intently at her pleasing face. Look, Miss Dumont. I may have recently been attacked by an angry piece of literature, he began, his colloquial British phrasing lending an air of sophistication to his complaint, but I can assure you my faculties are still in proper working order. At the risk of repetition, I asked who you were and you told me your name. And then, asking how you managed to blow the throbbing pain away, you tell me you're a nurse. Neither answer suffices. A smile spread across Kennedy's face as she shrugged. They may not suffice, and yet they must suffice. Ned stared blankly at her, wondering if maybe his assertion regarding his faculties might have been premature. Hmm, concussion? Nothing about her answer made any sense. Must suffice. Excuse me, Ms. Dumont. Kennedy is fine, she cut in. Kennedy, then. I think I need to see a doctor, no offense. I seem to be caught up in an errant stream of consciousness where little beyond the physicality of you and me standing here this moment is making any sense. Kennedy nodded. I suppose you're thinking caused by the blow to your head? Exactly. I assure you, a doctor's prognosis will be of little use to you. Assure me, that's rich, under whose authority? The authors, she answered simply. Chad took a step back, let go any contact between them, a look of worried horror on his face. There you go, there we go again. What are you on about? His tone grew loud, menacing. And if you don't answer straight away, I shall check myself into the very hospital you work in with or without your accompaniment. She pointed down to the pavement, to the book lying forgotten on the sidewalk. There's your answer. Are you implying I asked for that book to clunk me on the head? No, you didn't ask for it, it asked for you. 
Chad's face flushed with anger. Kennedy watched closely. His response was in keeping with his villainous character, his mercurial temper responsible for the fate of his own making. Bending over, she took hold of the closed book in her hand and then straightened back up. She thrust it at him, commanding, open it. Her strict tone and echo of the one Chad remembered from his parochial school days. He looked at her, ready to pounce on her presumption, but riffled through the pages of the book in his hand instead. The pages, he exclaimed, looking down, they're blank. Yes, yes, they are. Ever since you escaped. Again, it seemed to him reality was spinning away, the words making sense, but not the context. Escaped? Escaped from what? From where? From in here, she said, gently tapping the pages. I, I don't understand. She stroked his face gently, her voice sweet, calming. Sure you do. You remember? She paused for a second, her hands now caressing his temples. Remember. The flood of recollection, a torrent of images rushing at him with almost physical force dizzied him. He'd been incarcerated, and they deliberately had two lackeys arrested for robbing a convenience store just so they could get inside and kill him. He knew it, and they knew he knew it. He thought he'd be safe in jail, but realized he'd been left with only one choice, die or escape. Yes, he remembered now, remembered finding some mugwort on the outskirts of the yard and skirting outside the novel, chewing it raw. Awash in his newfound vitality, he willed himself right out of the pages of the book and into the world of the reader. I have to die, he conceded. Yes, I'm afraid you do. You don't belong here. But I don't want to, he objected. No, no, you don't. But I promise I make it quick. What do you mean you make it? He never finished the question. He caught from the corner of his eye the name of the book, Nowhere to Hide, and the author's name below it, Kennedy Dumont. Thank you. Snaps. Snaps. I love that twist. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm thinking about your cat's name, too. Is it, it's not a JK Mewling? JK Meowling. (laughs) Meowling. (laughs) Yes. And and my son has strenuous objection to it. She is so anti Look, She's a terrible person. But the, she really is. But the story just takes me to kind of passages there and some of her series. I mean, magical realism or yeah. speculative fiction is where I live and breathe. That's it shows that's my home. So um, thank you. I uh, it was science fiction once upon a time. Then I then I came across Tom Robbins, who's one of the Love more him. difficult reads in the world. Love him. But amazing. Just uh, Still um, Life with Woodpepper. Oh, yeah. Oh but for me, Jitterbug Perfume just. Love that one, too. Or Skinny Legs and All. I, I'm, I'm a big yeah, Robbins sure. fan. And <laughs> then lately I came upon Alex E. Harrow. Mm. The Ten Thousand Doors of January. Mm, I don't know it. Oh. You don't know it. It is. No, I haven't heard of him. Oh, no, her. 
Alex Harrell lives in Kentucky and writes speculative fiction like nobody. I'm, I, I was so enamored by this book by page four. Hmm. It could have, the rest of it could have been blank pages and I would still consider it one of my favorite books ever. I'm going to have to look this up. I'm intrigued. The 10,000 Doors of January. What a great title. Yeah. There's a quote that I have put into every social media platform that I can find. And there is a quote, and it goes like this. The will to be polite, to maintain civility and normalcy, is frightfully strong. I wonder sometimes how much evil is permitted to run unchecked simply because it would be rude to interrupt it. Uh, I find that quote, that one just hit me and I closed the book Mm -hmm. and I said, I got to read it again. And I read it about 150 times. Uh, I'm Um, going to have to look for it. How much evil is permitted because it would be rude to interrupt it. That's so good. Yeah. Talk about about orange in 45. (laughs) But I think we're at the stage where I finally ask the only questions I ask. I don't interview. I like to get people chatting and I'll ask for some readings. Then I have three questions I ask at the end. Oh. Every single time of my guests. Oh, they're, they're fun questions. So, um, mm-hmm. Mary, what are you reading these days? Hmm. So I'm reading a couple of different things. Sounds familiar. Um, Right. So The Art of Recklessness by Dean Young. Ooh, I've heard things. It's so good. It's really good. If you haven't read it, I really recommend it. Consider myself advised. Um, Yeah, so The Art of Recklessness. And then These Fevered Days by Martha Ackman. And it's 10 Pivotal Moments in the Making of Emily Dickinson. It's really good. Oh, wow. And then I'm reading Sarah Waters. Um, It's called The Night Watch. It's a novel. And, yeah, I won't be able to sleep tonight until I finish it because it's it's just really good. (laughs) It's, like, gripping. It's about wartime, living in London during World War II and the bombing. And it's just, like, so poignant and uh, you know thinking it's it's just written really beautifully um really vivid and you can't be reading it without thinking of ukraine and what it's like to live in active bombing in an area that's just one night after the other these raids it's just it's it's, so it's really well written beautiful book oh wow i recommend that as well three new ones to add to my burgeoning TBR pile. (laughs) It's, it's, what is it called? Sudoku, the the Japanese word for having more books than you can read in a lifetime and how how it's actually a gift, which I think it is. I like looking around it. Lots and lots of books all around me. Yeah. You know what I heard? Somebody was saying that it's like, um, at least poetry books, it's like, like a bottle of wine. And so you, you like, you have to have the right wine with the right meal, right? It just kind of makes everything good. And it's like that with poetry. It's like why you need to have so many books of poetry around because, you know, you just need the right 
book to match your mood and the day and whatnot. So I think that's helpful yeah, for me. I think I, I think I quite agree. To justify why I have a thousand books. <laughs> I, I have so many and I, I've been so lucky. I couldn't have dreamed like when I was a little girl being in a position where books just appear in the mail, sometimes mm. the tune of a few books a week, just free. Um, I, I, I would have thought, you know, I was living my best life, which I, I do, but <laughs> I, I'm, but you're getting free books. Yeah. Well, I'm just in a very fortunate position that the contributors very sweetly send me their chat books or their new books. Oh. So I have, yeah. I have the better part of a full bookcase shelf. That's now. a good life. It is mm-hmm. right. I'm a book lodestone lately. Mm-hmm. Might need to live in a bigger house after a while or build an addition (laughs) out of books. I don't know. Um, But for the time being, it's pretty enjoyable. So, Mark, what are you reading these days? I'm, um, how can I put this? I am not the typical reader. I read them one at a time. That's okay. And um, because there is so much, I'm revising my novel version 24. Um, I have a friend of mine who started a novel in 2008 and he said, I'm going to get to it one day. And I said, you're 71 years old. When is one day when you're old and doddering and you can't just, so I said, I'll finish it for you. And then you edit it. So I'm finishing his work. I'm reworking on mine. I took one of my screenplays and I'm turning it into a novel because nobody's going to take $80 million to invest in this and publishing is a lot cheaper. So I read them one at a time because I spend so much time writing. And the one I'm reading is called Babel or the necessity of violence, an arcane history of the Oxford university. Oh yes. I've heard of this book written by RF Quang. And it's really very interesting. Um, that that's that's one that's on my on my burgeoning list and don't feel bad about being in a in a writing mode more than a reading mode sometimes when people ask me what are you reading these days my only answer is submissions <laughs> because that's, I, yeah, I that's that. the reality I mean sometimes I'm, yes. that that's that's what it is and sometimes after I've read through enough submissions and a new issue is ready to come out. The answer is the new issue of Vogue. So I'm serious. Yeah, exactly. Take a little brain break. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. So what are you guys listening to these days? What's on your turntable if you use that sort of a device or on your playlist or however you put sounds into your ears? Oh, music. Uh, well, my perennial kind of go-to is Tom Waits. Love Tom Waits so much. Yeah. He's so yeah, good. So I, yeah, I, I just, everything is that he does. I just, you know, he kind of reinvents invents himself with every album and, he needs to come out with a new one soon because it's been a long time. It has. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I adore Tom Waits. Do you have a particular favorite album or are they all just stunning for you? Um, I don't know. Maybe Nighthawks at the Diner just because it was like my first Oh my God. That, that was the one I was going to say if I had to pick a favorite, Nighthawks at the Diner. Yeah. Love yeah. that. You know, it's funny when I first started listening to him. Oh God, was it late adolescence? And I'd see mm-hmm. him like perform, like I think David Letterman had him on as a guest. He was on a few things. But my impression mm-hmm. of him was like, he was so old. And then I go back <laughs> and watch these in reruns. I'm like, that was a young, handsome man. But it's so <laughs> funny. It's just so odd what looks old to you when you're 17 or 18. Like old is yeah, yeah. anything over 32 is just so old. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I love that answer. It got me a little chill down mm-hmm. my back. I love him so much. What are you listening to these days, Mark? Oh, I'm seriously into oldies. And by oldies, I mean like Ludwig von Beethoven. I like those. I'm I'm one of, I'm I'm, I'm just one of those. um, I listen to a fair amount of classical music. I listen to jazz. I had the privilege of seeing the Charlie Mingus band when I was in Washington, D.C. Wow. The Kennedy Center. Wow. Um, and then I'm a huge fan of blues and honky-tonk. <laughs> and if it's well played, um, I don't care who's playing it. I mean, I went to see, oh, who's this commercial artist who's like the most amazing he went out with Jennifer Aniston, good-looking blonde boy. Oh. Um, you know, I should so know. Well, my wife will tell me in a quick second. But anyway, amazing blues and then the honky-tonk piano. I mean, when I go on YouTube it's you, and you look through my YouTube recommends, it's honky-tonk piano. Oh, nice. Um, so... Uh, Jazz live and Beethoven anytime. I mean, just anytime. So, yeah, that's that. You know, you guys have already put together like what would be a really nice playlist, like for getting through an evening, like maybe Tom Waits for while I'm cooking dinner, yes. and mm-hmm. then maybe some classical for while we're sitting down to dine. And then maybe mm-hmm. close out the evening with a, an after dinner drink and some honky tonk blues. That's that's a great night. Oh. That is a great night. Isn't I like it, it Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, I must you be told me. put a date on the calendar. I'll be there. <laughs> I, I think it must be too long since I've had people over. I like having dinner parties, and I think it's been too long because I'm starting to like just spin them out in my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll bring dessert. Yeah. I'll I'll be the chef because that's I'm, I, I cook every night at home. So do night. I. So nice. we can yeah. we can okay. So we I'll be the sous chef, or we can you trade can. off dishes. All right. My allergies are a pain to cook around. Though I'm allergic to a few foods. Mm. No. Can you do flourless chocolate cake? I certainly can. I love making that. Oh, I make a mean flourless chocolate cake. Nice. Yeah. No, I love That'll that. Be my contribution. Yeah, just to... And I make a um a vegan 
uh, lettuce wraps using um, jackfruit. Oh, amazing. Just mm. amazing. I, wow, that sounds really terrific. And then if, if there's a meat eater amongst us, me, uh, Bray short ribs is my just all-time uh, favorite. I love a good mm. short rib. I, I make a oh, red yeah. wine blazed one. I mean, blazed. Yes. From the um, Daniel yeah. Baloud's Cafe Baloud cookbook. It's pretty good. Yeah, actually, um, vegan and gluten-free tend to be my downfall because the, they usually have all the things I'm allergic to. Because hmm. no really? soy, no corn, no rice, no white potatoes. Oh, so those tend to have everything. No sesame, no mushrooms. So. Oh, no mushrooms. I think that would hurt me the most. It makes me sad. It makes me sad yeah. and it makes me angry because my husband also doesn't eat mushrooms, but only because he doesn't like them. Mm. And I wish I could just give him my allergy and take them back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So mm, kind of we, we move from literature to music. Music. Down down the pole. What are you guys watching these days? Mary, you're welcome to start. Oh, uh, well, you know what? I don't, I don't watch things. Good for you. I feel really. At all? Uh, Never, ever? No, no movies? Nothing? Well, um, trying to think. So yeah, once in a while. <laughs> yeah. I, what I'd like to do is watch foreign films. So, or foreign, uh, like, you know, like there've been some really good series I have watched, like Lupin, I really enjoyed. I want to see that. My sister really just described liking that a lot. I want to see that. Did you, did you perchance see Pachinko? Speaking of foreign, uh, series. No. It's on, it's on Apple TV. And if you can, and if you have it or can get it. Pachinko is an amazing, really and, I, and I am not a TV watcher. I do like movies, but, um, and foreign films are certainly among my favorites. Me too. But um, Pachinko is just, and then of course, so in TV, I, I watched Pachinko and Ted Lasso. I keep watching reruns because I keep laughing every time I, I see I want it. to see that. I've been curious about that. Oh. Yeah, I've been curious. Yeah, so I don't have a TV, so it has to be streamed. And I only have Netflix. I don't have Apple or Amazon or any of those. We'll all get. We'll we'll all come down to my. I'll I'll, I'll bring you guys down to Miami. We'll sit around and okay. We'll we'll have um. Oh no, I can't. Oh yeah, I got to put the cats in the fridge. Yeah, okay. Just put the Uh, cats in the fridge. It'll be fine. (laughs) Put the cats in the fridge, and we'll um. Actually, it takes seven years to de dander a house. Oh, seven years. Yeah, that's oh, how long. And what's today's date? Okay, so <laughs> we'll do this again in uh, 2030. Or, or we'll just have uh, screenings near yard. We'll have a foreign film festival. Yeah, we'll do that too. We could do that. So, I mean, I love a good film. I, there's some of these are just. What's a amazing. recent favorite? A recent favorite film. Oh, let's see. I'm put on the spot. Uh, well, just whatever you can think of. It's not like you're going to get an F. 
<laughs> right. Oh, oh, the Banshees of Inishirin? I've heard good things. I actually want to see that. Yeah, I've heard it's good. I think the folks at NPR said uh, pop culture happy hour weighed in hmm. pretty strongly. Pop culture happy hour is my go-to. Did you get a chance to see three billboards outside Ebling, Missouri? No, I want to. I did see everything oh everywhere God. all at once, which is stunning. Yeah. yeah, I saw that too. Isn't that amazing? It was fun, but it wasn't, I, I don't know. You know, my son said it, it was like a um, Saturday Night Live skit that went on too long. Oh, <laughs> I actually really, really I loved that it. that feeling after a while. <laughs> it just... But... The, this this the writer Martin McDonough he did in Bruges and he did three billboards and you are cracking up one minute and you are heartbroken the next oh, wow. especially three billboards that one you're, you you laugh so hard and then because of the situation the 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 overarching theme or the underlying situation it can go either way you you feel guilty for laughing. It's that powerful. And then the Banshees of Inishirin is just basically one friend says to the other, I don't want to be your friend anymore. And they live on an island. And mm -hmm. it's just so powerful. It's anyway. Yeah, that's a great movie. I'll be surprised if it doesn't walk away with the Academy Award. Yeah, this year. that's on my list. Mm -hmm. I want to see yeah, that. Yeah, I want to see that too. I've heard good things. Yeah, I've been very intrigued. So we're we're getting ready to wrap up. Where can my listeners find you and follow you on social media and buy your books? So uh, my website has just about everything, I think. Um, and that's just my name. So it's www.mary. Buchinger, B-U-C-H-I-N-G-E-R.com. Nice. Do you eschew the social media, Mary? Um, I, I'm on Facebook. Yeah. I, you know, I don't like it, but I'm on Facebook. And uh, I usually, I, if I have new work, I post it. I posted my mugwort, mugwort poems from <laughs> Meat for Tea and, uh, I, yeah, I different that. things, but... Yeah. You don't you don't tweet, you don't do the Twitter. I don't tweet, except I tweet for the New England Poetry Club, so I do do there that. There you go. But uh not I don't really have my own and I you know I do have an Instagram handle at ME Bookinger. Oh, I should follow but, you. Well, I really don't do much. So I don't know. It's distracting. <laughs> and with this last question, I understand why Mary and I are paired <laughs> because the poet and the prose writer, I have a website called godsandmenandmore.com, which basically gives a back cover, not even a back cover, uh, summation of my novel. And then lewrider.com is a work in progress. But in terms of social media, I will respond to what other people write, but I post zero until I'm really ready to launch something in earnest. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in doing it, you know, oh, I saw something funny here. Let me repost it. I'm just not that person. I guess I'm 
too snooty. I don't oh, know what I don't it is. Know. But. I, I, I could <laughs> see myself turning my back on the whole shebang if it wasn't important to the running of meat for tea. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, as soon as I have stuff to promote, hey, I'm, you know, there. I mean, I have a little chapbook, but it's five short stories and there's no, you know, who is this? And nobody's going to go there. That's the problem. Well, the problem they are now because they're going to listen to the podcast. And Oh, well, in that it. case, I'm going to be, a, it's going to be a very busy, long night for me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I do thank you ever so much for this opportunity. I oh, can't it's been my pleasure. begin to express the gratitude. So much fun. So much fun having you both. Yeah, really fun to talk with you, Elizabeth. You too. We'll have to get together yeah. IRL. You're not that far away. Right, right. And when you do, I'll, I'll get a plane ticket. I mean, you know, it's only two hours and We'll all descend on David's house in Jamaica plane. He doesn't there have any pets. Okay, there we go. We'll do that. <laughs> Perfect. And thanks so much, guys. This has really been a treat. Thank you. Thanks, Elizabeth. Take care. All right. Wasn't that delightful? It was actually quite a ride, I have to say. Mm-hmm. It's always a pleasure to hear the authors reading their works. Yeah, those are good readings, too. Those are really, really good readings. Very expressive. So thanks for sticking around. Yeah, we've, we've got, got some for more for you guys. You know, I periodically put out a call on the Meat for Tea cast Facebook page, which you follow it, right? You should. I do. Oh, duh. <laughs> you all should, too. And you should follow the Meat for Tea Facebook page, and you should follow me at Elizabeth on Twitter for as long as I remain there. We'll see. Depends on how musky things get. And, um... On my Instagram, you can follow Meat for Tea there too. So do it. Lots of cool stuff. Here's some of it from the Meat for Tea cast Facebook page. Some really cool six word stories. All right. And these are all, all in honor of the Lunar New Year, which is today. Happy Lunar New Year. It is the year of the rabbit. Mm-hmm. So what's up, Doc, and all that? <laughs> what is up, Doc? Well, what's up with our six-word stories is this first one from Lucia Machne, who has a page called Conjured Creations, which is new to me, but I'm going to check that out. Rabbit foot, keep it with you. Next one is from Lauren Sharhag. Lettuce plants and offering cotton-tailed luck. Anya Khan. She hopped and made it happen. <laughs> and finally, one from Tam Friggy. Luck. Lost keys. Riverside. Island surprises. Found. Nice. There you go. Some brilliant six-word stories. Yeah, and uh, we'll probably do that again in a couple months or something. So definitely, or sooner. maybe sooner, maybe next week. Who knows? But check out the Meet for Tcast Facebook page. Also, if you do want to reach out to us and say something to us, you can always record a voice memo and email it over to meetfortcast at gmail.com. 
And if we like what you say, maybe we'll put you on the podcast, too. We've done that a few times. Yeah, we, we love hearing your voices. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions for what you'd like for future Patreon episodes or for future episodes in general. And just leave us a voice memo and just say something silly. Yeah, sing us a song. I'm a fan of that. Yeah, sing us a song. Yeah, Tom Kovar left us a wonderful song. Yeah, we, we ran that for a couple of the holiday era episodes. And that, was, that was really good. So good. We invite you guys to follow his excellent example. <laughs> well, I think that about wraps it up for this episode of the Meat for Tea cast. We will see you in a couple weeks. Happy Lunar New Year. Happy Lunar New Year. The Meat for Tea cast is produced by Elizabeth McDuffie and Meat for Tea, The Valley Review. Mixed by Mark Allen Miller at Zone Lab, East Hampton, Massachusetts. Visit Meat for Tea at www.meatfortea.com. Please consider going to anchor.fm to make a contribution through our contribution page. You can reach us through meatforteacast at gmail.com or you can leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash meet for TCast. We welcome suggestions for contents for the Meet for TCast. If you've attended a Meet for Tea Cirque and want to hear from one of the bands or one of the spoken word contributors, please let us know. All portions are copyright Meet for Tea and their respective holders. Vote for Meet for Tea on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Elizabeth. Meet for Tea on Instagram and on the Meet for Tea and Meet for Tea cast Facebook pages. Meet for Tea is available everywhere you get your favorite podcasts.